right, it is Vending Machine Jesus Week 2. Thanks for joining us. You know that we uh, said several weeks ago when we introduced this series, and last week, the first week of our series, we said we do not believe that Jesus is to be treated, or in our prayer life, God's to be treated as though he's a vending machine. However, it seems, in the way some people operate in their prayer life, kind of maybe they do. What we wanted to do was dispel some of the myths out there about prayer, maybe zone in and dial in on some of the things we know that are very real about prayer uh, as we look into God's Word. So we're going to do that. I mentioned last week as we kicked off the series of this overarching things about prayer. If you were not here last week or you missed week one of our series, I'll tell you, go back. Go back to, uh, you can go to our channel, New Walk Church on YouTube, and you can see uh, all of the archived messages. You can certainly go to our website, newwalk.church, and there'll be some links there to, to, to let you catch some archives. Either way, hopefully you're ready to go for week two. And really, as we dial in more on prayer, uh, kind of the best way I can kind of set up our talk today and our time together is to go back to a moment in my life that uh, kind of relates to this topic. So when I was young growing up in my parents' home, uh, it was their home, not my home, okay? So that's important for, anyways, that's another topic for another day. It's their home. I'm growing up in their home and they, uh, you know, my room, I wanted a television. My parents had a television. They had a nice color TV, and they had cable, and I was appreciative that they had that. However, in my room, I kind of wanted to elevate my own setting, so I said to mom and dad, I said, hey, I want a TV in my room, and they gave me a TV to put in my room. It was a real beauty, and some of you can relate to this. Some of you can't. You're not even going to know what I'm talking about, but that's all right. They gave me a black and white TV. I know. So it's hard to understand, some of you. You're like, well, I don't even know what that is. That's okay. And, and, but they gave me a black and white TV, and then they gave me something else that is going to be very foreign to some of you, but I'm just going to tell you right now, is something that you plug into the back or kind of connect to the back of the TV, and it had these silver things that they, they were, they're called an antenna. And antenna, for some of you that you're not familiar with it. And so we had to move those. I, in order to get a signal, uh, you had to move those. Some of you are like, what, what, what? <laughs> move those. And here's the cool thing. In order for that thing to come in the way you wanted it to, sometimes you had to stand there and hold it. <laughs> now, you know, I think that's a kind of a funny way of maybe describing my topic today. I do believe there are some things in our communication with God that we can do in our own spiritual journey to maybe enhance the signal <laughs> just a little bit. And, uh, and so I'm going to give you these in our, in our time together. What I want to do is give you a handful of conditions that we should be paying attention to in our prayer life. I put in your notes, pay attention to the conditions, the conditions going on in your life. And I think for some of us, as we go through these together, paying attention to our conditions, you know, we, you're going to relate to these because if you're like me, there has been things, times in my prayer life where it didn't go at all the way that I thought it should or would. I think there are some of you, you prayed for a marriage to heal or a healthy marriage in an unhealthy time, and it didn't happen, and you end up getting divorced. Or you prayed for a promotion or financial increase, and it didn't happen. Or maybe you prayed 
for somebody who was ill, maybe a family member, maybe a loved one, and you prayed for healing and they didn't heal and they passed away. And you, you wondered about some things. I get it. Like, God, I don't understand your timing, your situation here. I feel like, you know, I'm checking all the boxes, whatever it is, and it feels like maybe it's not happening the way that it ought to or didn't happen. It can cause a frustration. I want to share some signal enhancers. Most of my talk with you is going to be related to just day-to-day things going on that we're praying for in our life. When we consider our prayers for those who are ill, who end up passing away, I have a little part I want to talk to you about that at the end of our time together. But for all of us, we've had these moments, we've had these thoughts where we're going, God, what? I'm going to set out a disclaimer here, and I'll probably do it several times in our time together. I'm sharing with you some keys to enhance your prayer connectivity, But I do not stand before you uh, presuming that if you would do all of these things, every prayer would be answered. Not at all. God is sovereign. He can do what he wants, and he does do what he wants. But I can also read the text, read the scriptures, and see, and you will see, that some of these things do seem to be important to our prayer life as we walk through these together. So let me give you the first thing in your notes. There's a little box there on the card you got for message notes you came in. At the very top, there's a white box. First word for that is this word patience. If you're going to kind of have a more successful prayer life, you've got to enter your prayer life with patience because I don't know if you've noticed this and maybe, how many of you have discovered that sometimes it seems God is not working on the same time schedule as you are. Have you noticed this? Anybody? Yeah, because I've been, if you've prayed a while, you, you know that this can be the case. So you better enter into those prayers with patience. I want to take a little sidestep here and just give you something that I give anytime I'm talking about prayer, understanding prayer. I always like to give this little sidebar here. It says, you need to know that God does answer prayer. He does. But he answers it when he answers it in four really one of four different ways for you. So as you're applying patience, you need to know in your prayer life, here's how God answers prayers. It's gonna be one of these ways. Here's the first one, uh, and this is the one we struggle with, I think, the most. It's no. Sometimes we say, God, this is something I'm looking for, and he says no. And look, we struggle with no at a young age. Like when our parents say no, we struggle with that. So I think this is the hardest one. Can you be told no by God and blow past all of those no's and still do it your way? Yeah. And you can encounter all that comes with that. But God will, at times, we have to be open to this, he will reveal a no to us. Sometimes it's grow. And this is not easy. Sometimes it's grow. It's like God's thing is like, I want to deliver on your behalf, but you're not ready. And so there needs to be some growing. Sometimes it's slow. Sometimes the response is, okay, I want to deliver, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen over a period of time. And sometimes, and some of you have encountered this, sometimes it's, it's go. He, he delivers fairly quickly on your behalf. And he does that. I, I can say this, there is one prayer for sure that he will say go on that some of you could pray today before you leave. And that is, God, will you forgive me of my sin? I'm ready to turn towards you in my life and surrender to you. And God will say, go. He'll do that in an instant today. And he does other things. Some of you have watched this happen in your own prayer journey. But it's going to be one of these these ways. At the end of the day, 
you enter into prayer with patience because God is working on his own time frame and you cannot rush him. He's going to do what he's going to do when he's ready. When I think about God's timing, it reminds me of this moment in history that's recorded in Luke chapter 1. And it talks about really what we know to be uh, the, what would ultimately be the birth of, of John the Baptist. Some of you have heard of John, John the Baptist. Well, uh, you know, he was born to parents by the name of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah and Elizabeth were not able to have children. They had wanted to have children. They weren't able to have children. And they had been praying, God, we want a child, we want children. They prayed, prayed for so long. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 1 and verse 13. That the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. This is important. For your prayer has been what? Heard. Heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Again, this is John the Baptist. So the first reminder here in verse 13 is that God hears it. Okay, he's not deaf. He knows what your prayers. And then it goes on and says, Zechariah asks the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man. And then he, very with great diplomacy, says, and my wife is well along in years. And he doesn't say my wife's old, so that was pretty good. He says, God, but you know, she's well along in her, her years. Here's what's happening. The question from Zachariah is like, it's sort of like, you know, we've been praying for this a long time. God, you could have done this like four decades ago. And here we are now. God, I don't get it. And so there was a timing thing. I'll get to that timing here in just a little bit. But why does God delay? Why is God working sometimes on a different plan? I mentioned this before. Sometimes you're applying patience because he wants you to grow up. You, you got some growing up to do. And, and again, just like being told no, I don't think we like to be told to grow up. When you're young, well, you, your parents or somebody, it's not ready now, but in a few years, you'll just have to wait. Uh, you know, your big brother's getting to do something right now, but you, you have to wait till you're his age. We didn't like that. Like you go, go to your mom and your dad, you say, I'm ready to drive. You're 12 years old. I want to drive. What are they going to say? Well, you're not ready yet. You need a little growing to do. Some of you, you went and drove anyways. You just did it, and we won't talk about that. But, but you know, there was this thing. It's like, you're not ready. You need to wait. Obviously, there's the law, but it's just there's a, a maturity that has to happen before you're going to be ready to drive. And so we know in our connectivity with our Heavenly Father that sometimes he wants us to grow in, in some sort of way, obviously spiritually or emotionally. He's getting us ready for something. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2. Here's a, here's a cry out about patience, right? How long, Lord, must I call for your help? For help. But you do not listen. Does that connect with anybody here right now? Like, God, I've been crying out, and it doesn't seem like you're listening, paying any attention. He says, violence, but you do not save. Like, I look at that in 2023. I'm looking around. I'm like, look at all the messiness and hate and rage and all that going on. God, where are you? Like, I don't know if you can connect to this kind of thought here of Habakkuk, but he's like, man, God, how much longer are we going to have to deal with the things that we're, we're dealing with? Have you ever even taken time to say, God, are you waiting on me? And what is it that I need to grow up in first in my life? Sometimes we don't even want to ask that question because it's going to require some 
some development in our spiritual life. What if we ask that question? We say, God, where do I need to grow? At the end of the day, I hear people sometimes, they'll say, Pastor, I have lost my faith in prayer. And I think many times what's happened is they've lost their patience in prayer. You have to enter in with patience. Is God going to reveal to you? Yes, it could be a long time. It could be you're growing. Sometimes, again, the answer is no. And you start to get this uncomfortable feeling about continuing to pray over something that, that's not, not what's going to happen. And God gives you not this peace, but the opposite of it, this uncomfortability that says it's not going to happen. At the end of the day, uh, we're, until God gives us the answer that we, where he, he wants to reveal to us, we continue, we continue to pray in our life. Look, for me, as I read the text about growing or waiting and all these things that come, I go back to another reason why sometimes this thing is delayed. It's, we have to remember, God is working a bigger picture sometimes that we don't understand. So let's go back to Zechariah and Elizabeth and the birth of John the Baptist. In that scenario, God was waiting on a specific timing in all of human history. Zechariah and Elizabeth, you know, in the early years of their life and their marriage, they're praying for this child. If God delivers it decades prior, that child maybe is born at a time where he's just an ordinary child, an ordinary place, living an ordinary life. But because of the timing that God had in all of human history to bring forth his son, Jesus Christ, John the Baptist was born at just the right time to be the forerunner or the presenter of who Jesus Christ ultimately was, the Messiah. He was born into a specific moment in history that God had in mind. So in that moment, in that instance, why do we experience delay? Uh, Potentially because there's a whole bigger plan that you're not yet aware of, that we became aware of through John the Baptist's life. Here's a second thing you need to pay attention to. We're getting the antennas in order, right? Here's the next thing, relationships. This going to be hard for some of us because we're going through maybe some things in relationships right now. We're going through some maybe some bitterness. Are you growing in your relationships? Are you growing in those love relationships? Are you loving people Well, because it seems to matter, let's look at the text here from Jesus. It says this in Mark chapter 11, verse 25. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, what should we do? It's like, stop right now. That's what we're getting here. You're you're in your prayer life. You're holding, got something against somebody. Stop. You should forgive him so that your father in heaven may forgive you your sin. There's something here, Jesus very clearly pointing out to you and I that those relationships, that bitterness, that feeling we have towards some people that have wronged us, it does seem to matter. It seems to matter that if we want to have a successful prayer life, that our relationships matter. It seems if we want to have a successful prayer life, that we can't be bitter and unforgiving and, and still expect some of that success. And because and, I know there's, you know, tendency to, okay, it, really? Is this really true? Well, let me first take it back to, I'll dial it up a notch with scripture, but let me take it back to the humanly realm here in a way that maybe you can understand this. When I was growing up, I have a brother, I have a brother. He's about two and a half, three years older than me. And, uh, you know, sometimes we would exhibit Something known, and, and some of you had this as well, it's the spiritual gift of fighting. <laughs> I don't know if you had that. It's not a gift, actually, but, you know, with your siblings. And one time we were, me and my brother, my parents said, hey, uh, we got, we'll take you all to a game 
All right, later on in the day, but first, if you're going to go to the game, you need to get your chores done, right? We've all been through this. All right, so get your chores done first, then we'll go to the game. Well, in the process of doing our chores, me and my brother began to kind of go at it, you know, and there's a struggle going on. We get to the end of our chores, we get them all done. Okay, mom and dad, we finished our chores, we're ready to go to the game. They said, we're not going to the game. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to spend the time that we were going to go to the game uh, reconnecting with your brother because you can't have that going on in your brother relationship. And so they made us, instead, we're like, wait, we did the chores. What's going on? No, they understood something in that moment that we didn't understand, that that health in our brotherly relationship mattered something. It, it was important. They said, go back, refocus, that kind of thing going on there. Our heavenly father seems to care in the same way. Okay, well, that's one verse. Let me give you another verse. We're going to elevate this. Here's what it says, and I share this sometimes with the men on our wild at heart trip that we take with some of the men every year. But here it is, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. This is a bold text, and it's going to cause some things to go on here. But here, here's what it says. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat you're going, to treat, or you're going to treat your wife with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Let me stop right there because right now there's a woman going, I ain't weaker. <laughs> so I don't even know what he's talking about right now. It's not saying you're weaker. It's saying that the man ought to treat you with a love and a dignity and a respect as though as the scriptures kind of talk about a weaker vessel in that if you are a piece of glass, that he would care, with, care for you as though you could shatter. And that's right, and that's appropriate, because anybody could damage anybody. And what we get here is a command, husbands, you treat her with a dignity and a respect because she's an heir. She is a daughter of the Most High God. She is worthy of well treated, being well-treated. And now there's some elbows flying right now, and so we won't get into that. But you know, like this, now this is important, and here's what it goes on. It says, treat them with respect, so that, here we go, so that nothing will what? Let's say it out loud. So nothing will what? Hinder your prayers. Oh my goodness. You're unhealthy with your spouse. It hinders your prayers. Here's another thing that comes into play, I think. Motives. Motives. Like, why, what is your motivation in the prayer? Is it for your own selfish gain? Is there any kingdom-minded understanding of, of this prayer? Like, in other words, what in this prayer is for God's glory in the advancement of the kingdom of God here on earth? What, what's behind? It's pulling back the curtain to the prayer. And what's the real motivation? God, I need a raise. Okay, God, I'm praying for a raise. Well, what's your, for, why, what, what? So I can, what? God, I, I want the promotion. I'll give it to, for, why, for what? Yeah, God, I'm praying, praying for this thing. God's gonna, what is your motivation in that process? And Jesus talked about this last week. We talked about the Sermon on the Mount, how he stops and says, Let, now let's talk about prayer. And he spends his time talking about prayer. And he's kind of pointing at these people as the hypocrites. He calls them the hypocrites of the Pharisees, the religious people. They stood on the street corners and they screamed out their prayers so everyone could see and they put on a show. And Jesus is like, I don't need that. I don't need that. What I need is like your honest self, like your, your own situation going on. And he kind of pushed back the curtain on those Pharisees and said, they have other motives. So motives, 
do seem to matter you're praying for oh maybe you're a guy at work and you're single guy and you're praying god i want to date that girl god make that happen she, she doesn't live for jesus she lives a very unhealthy life spiritually but you want to date her why what's your motive Oh, I, God, I need, need a little bit more money. Okay, I've heard this before. We're praying to win the lottery. This is not a great prayer. But, but I want to win the lottery. For, for what? You don't even honor God now with your finances. Like, really, what's your, motiv what's your motivation on, on this prayer? Got to deliver this situation. So we're just peeling back the curtain, peeling back the onion, saying, okay, what's at the heart of it? Proverbs 16, 2 says this. All of man's ways seem innocent to him. But here's what it says. But what? Motives, very good. Motives are weighed by the Lord. Motives seem to matter. Here's another one I put in your notes. Righteousness seems to matter. Or right living. The way, I think we have to understand that, that if we're coming to God in prayer, but we got some ways that we're choosing to live in our life that are not of God, it's going to affect, it's going to affect our prayer life. You know, somebody will say, hey, when you come to know Jesus Christ, check it out, you have the same access to God as Billy Graham. That is a true statement. <laughs> some of you know Billy Graham, okay? We know this guy, he lived this life, you know, very much for the sake of the gospel, seemed very transparent, a lot of people were very close to him, and the stories over and over again are like, this guy was the real deal. Okay, you have the same access as Billy Graham, but it seems in the scriptures that by the way you're living your life, it enhances the connectivity of those prayers. Again, uh, do I stand before you and say, okay, you get to live in this kind of righteous way of living, and now God's going to just answer all of your prayers? I'm not suggesting that, not at all. But I am saying, in God's word, it does seem to matter. James 5, 16, it says this. The prayer of a, the prayer of what, what kind of a guy, the, a, right, a woman, here it is, the righteous person, is powerful and effective. There's something about the way that we live that affects it. It doesn't say the prayer of an unrighteous person. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say the prayer of the casual Christian. It doesn't say the prayer of the contemporary Christian. It doesn't say the prayer of the cafeteria Christian. What am I talking about? The cafeteria Christian is the Christian that looks at the Bible and says, I'll take some of that, but not that. God, I'll take a little bit of this, but not this. We live in a culture today here in America where casual cafeteria Christianity is at a peak level, it would seem. People calling themselves Christians, but the way they choose to live their life, they're not honoring God. Maybe I am in one area, but in these other areas, I'm not. And I believe, as I read the text, this seems to very much affect our connectivity in prayer. Let's, again, let's make this understandable kind of, and just as an example, a human uh, kind of example here. If on one side over here, I have somebody who's hurting financially and needs some help, and they ask me for help. Oh, over here, same thing. I have somebody over here who's hurting financially. They ask me for help or ask you for help. Okay, two different people. Now, this one over here, this is a guy who's kind of uh, pretty lazy, uh, could be working, he's turned down a couple jobs, 
uh, but they're beneath him. So he's going to keep on searching. His family's hurting financially, struggling, seems to be a little bit lazy about the situation. Also, you've given them money before, and they squandered it the last time, and now they're coming to you again for resources. Over here, you have somebody who very much uh, they're working two jobs, uh, doing everything they can do to take care of their family. They had a hiccup kind of in their life. And they're kind of in this low place. They could, they could like, maybe, can I get a little bit of help here? Just, just a hand up in the situation. Just need a little bit of help in the moment. God, just something going on in my life. And they come to you. They come to you for help. And they say, man, could you just help me? And you know that they live for God and they try to honor God financially. Which of the two are you most likely to want to lend to? It's a no-brainer. The person over here who's actually kind of like putting in the effort to, to, to live differently. I think we have to understand that it's possible. There are times when God looks at situations and said, says, there's going to be a season right now where you're going to reap what you've sown. And we don't like that. And we don't want to hear that. But the scriptures seem to back this up from time to time. We pick, feel this sense this in the scriptures to say, okay, God, are you, going to, are you going to honor obedience or are you going to honor disobedience. It seems pretty obvious that God wants to honor obedience. Proverbs 15, verse 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of who? The righteous. Again, I, I don't want to suggest that, okay, I'm, I'm doing everything right. Now, God, you're going to, I'm going to push three buttons and the can't, everything's coming out. But I also don't want to suggest right now that you're a believer, but you're living far from God right now and you come to him in prayer, I don't want to suggest that he won't move on your behalf. He can choose to do whatever he wants. But it does seem to be some helpers. So patience seems to matter. Relationships seem to matter. The motives seem to matter. The way you're living, right living seems to matter. And then I put in your notes, faith seems to matter. Faith. James chapter one and verse six says, but when a person asks, talking about prayer here, he must believe and not, not what? Doubt. Because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown, tossed by the wind. That man, that man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. It seems like, and Jesus points us back to this, that in our prayer life, that almost like that childlike faith has to always be there. The childlike faith, you know, when you're young and you're just, you just believe. Jesus talks about like, hey, when you come to me, come to me with that childlike faith. What is he talking about there? What he's saying is, and you know this, the longer you're in this world, the more doubt creeps in because you've seen some junk. And you wonder, like, really? Is this like really God? And you, you've got to doubts that creep in. And, and, but in our prayer life, we, we have to be willing to push past those doubts and say, God, I, I still believe. I still have faith. I know I've seen some things. I know I've experienced some things, but God, I am still willing to trust you in this moment. That's hard. And we have this information world that we live in today where we, more information is the answer to everything. And more education is the answer to everything. And education, I have a college degree, you know, but I'm just saying like, man, at some point, if you're going to really encounter God, it seems that faith in the moment, faith in the situation Faith in the things of God and that he can deliver does seem to be an important part of our prayer life. 
there was this moment where these two blind men came to Jesus and they had heard he could heal. And they said, Jesus, Jesus, you have mercy on us. You know, we need this healing. And Jesus sees them and he starts to kind of like question their motives and question their faith. All right, are you coming to me because I'm the vending machine here or do you actually have a faith that you believe that this can happen? And here's what it says in Matthew 9, verse 29. After they said, yes, we have faith, we believe, it says, then he touched their eyes and he said, here's what he says, according to your, what's the word? Faith, it will be done to you and their sight was restored. The same God 2,000 years ago that did that stuff is still doing this kind of stuff today. Yesterday, today, and forever. Faith does seem to be critical. Now, I want to be clear. Are you, say, are you saying, Pastor Gary, okay, if I have enough faith, all right, if I have enough faith in getting a luxury car tomorrow, <laughs> it's like, like all I need. That's not what I'm suggesting because, again, motives matter. And the next thing matters, we talked about it last week, yielding matters. If you were here last week, you know, I talked about yielding, so I kind of wanted to come back to it then to kind of take it another level here because I said last week, the third petition of the Lord's prayer is, you know, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I shared last week how it seems like very many times we come to God for prayer, but we really don't have any intention of his will being done. We want it to be our will. And so submitting and surrendering to his plan and his will is critical in the prayer life. Let's look at what 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says. It says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. We know he's paying attention. We know the connectivity is happening because we care about God's will over our will. And this is hard because in church in America today, there's been this movement in churches to, to bypass motives, to bypass yielding, to just exercise faith only and name it and claim it. Like this is being taught in church, blab it and grab it. You know, as long as you, as long as you see it, you can be it. And it's just this whatever, and this is certainly a part of faith, but there's, so, there's other things that are beyond just that. God, what is your will? God, I surrender, I submit to your will. I, I want to point out uh, how important this is because this can lead us into a deep level of having to trust God and his plan. See, Paul in the Bible famous, his work, his writings and his work, his missionary journeys, very famous in the New Testament. Paul, if there was ever a guy who we could say, this guy, I mean, he was living right, living faith, like he checked all the boxes. Surely any prayer that Paul ever wanted answered, he probably had it answered. There's one time in the scriptures where very clearly Paul points out like there's something going on and we don't know exactly what it was, but he says that he literally pleaded with God on multiple occasions that God would take as he describes something like a thorn in his side. We don't know what it was, but we know there was something going on that he was going to God and saying, God, I, I've asked you multiple times, deal with this for me. And it's like, it's not happening. It's not happening. Wait a second. Like, wouldn't he have been checking all the boxes? Like, didn't God, what, did God want to 
answer his prayer? Well, God was answering his prayer, but he was doing something in a bigger fashion in that moment that Paul didn't understand. And I have to yield to that, that sometimes, just like with Zechariah and Elizabeth and John the Baptist, they didn't know there was something bigger taking place. It was revealed, and sometimes it is revealed, and sometimes it's not revealed. You know what? Sometimes what God is doing, he's trying to show you something new in a moment when you're hurting, he wants to maybe reveal himself in a different way that you've never encountered him before. Maybe he's trying to teach you something in the middle of a suffering moment. He's trying to get you to kind of get your attention again in a way that's never been seen. Perhaps what God is revealing to you sometimes in a moment is that, yeah, I am working on a bigger plan, so you need to stand by. Or maybe he's revealing, check it out. Hey, you know what? My grace is sufficient. In other words, I gave you salvation. I forgave you over your sin. You have an eternity in heaven. When did that stop being enough? Sometimes he's trying to remind us that, hey, you're weak right now, but guess what? Now's the time I'm gonna show off and show my strength in the middle of your weakness. We don't understand this. That's why we have to be willing to say, God, I yield. You know, I think back, and if you've been in our boot camp, you've heard this story about the starting of our church. Uh, if you've been in New Steps 101, you've heard this, or maybe in other settings. I think I shared it one time here from the stage, but my wife's mother, many years ago, well over 25, 27 years ago, was diagnosed with cancer, colon cancer. And she, um, man, I mean, she was a great woman of faith, what I would say is a Proverbs 31 woman, just an incredible woman of faith. And I watched her battle for several years, this, this cancer. And you know, we, had, we must have had hundreds of people all across the South praying for her, hundreds. During that time, uh, as she battled cancer, I watched this woman of deep faith, literally nearly with a smile on her face, nearly drawing her last breath with a smile, knowing that she was going to spend an eternity in heaven. I watched her and her passing, and all throughout that journey of that five-year, almost five-year battle with cancer, reflect and radiate the joy of the Lord and the peace of somebody knowing that they were going to spend an eternity with God. It impacted me. You see, because during that time, she battled cancer and passed away. Uh, prior to her passing away, I, I was not a believer. But the way she was living and the way she was operating, it impacted me. Now, we had prayed that she would live, but she passed away. In that moment, we had to yield and say, okay, it was not our will, or it was, it was our will that she would live, but God, your will be done, and God... Uh, saw fit that she would leave this place here on earth and step into eternity now well over 20 plus years ago. But her life impacted me so much that I came to know Jesus Christ because of what I saw in her. She had invited us to a church in this town while she was still living in this town that I'm in right now. We went to that church, uh, and in that church is where I came to know Jesus Christ. In that church, after she passed away, is where I got my calling into ministry. In that church is where I got the calling to start this church. And do you know, though it was not uh, our will that happened, it was turned out to be God's will, that, and she passed away, that because of her life, as we yielded to God's will, the bigger picture started to be revealed. And in her life and in her death, me coming to know Jesus Christ and encountering that calling, now this church exists because of that life that she lived, and even in her death, it stirred me and my own life. Every person for 17 years that has come to know Jesus Christ here in this church, it's a ripple effect 
from her life and her death. Now, sometimes we get to see that ripple effect. Sometimes we get to see what that yielding did and what it accomplished. Sometimes we are able to get a glimpse of the bigger picture that God was doing, and sometimes we don't, and we won't know until we stand before God in eternity. We just won't. But there are bigger picture things that are being revealed even in suffering and even in, in death. Ecclesiastes 3, Solomon says, I've seen the burden God's laid. He's put on the human race. He's made everything, though, beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Like, we're we, we just not gonna ever fully understand it. But it seems there's a bigger plan that's happening. Look, there are times where in my flesh, I would trade everything that's happened over the last 17 years for our family to get just a few more days with her. In my flesh, I feel that way sometimes. But as I've yielded to his will, I say, God, you ultimately had this bigger thing going on in, in our lives and around us. Let me tell you what yielding to God's will ultimately does. It puts you in a position where you have to trust him in a way that you've never trusted him before. God, I don't understand why this is going on. God, I don't get it. It's not adding up. I've been praying this way and it's happening this way. But God, I am willing, your will be done. I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. It's a position of deep faith and growth all at once. And we remember, as we talked about last week, Jesus goes all the way to the cross, but before he goes to the cross, he says, God, can, is there any way to take this suffering from me, but not my will, Jesus says, but your will be done. And the bigger thing happened, you sit in a church today, those of you who have a relationship with Jesus Christ today, you have that because the bigger picture unfolded, that Jesus decided to yield to God's will, of course, and now squillions of people across the planet and for 2,000 years have had a relationship with God because of Jesus Christ. When you yield to the bigger thing, the bigger thing happens and it can be so powerful once it's ultimately revealed. Here's what I put though as we kind of dial this thing back in, I finish out our time together. I put in your notes, let's come back to the basics though. What I want for for everybody in this room is to certainly begin to have access to the Heavenly Father. And I put in your notes, you know, what really matters most above everything, above all things. Dialing this back in, you need to start. And what I want for you is to have an honest relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And I shared last week, and it's hard to hear, and people don't like to hear it. I, I shared last week, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't have a prayer life. You just don't. And that can be offensive sometimes. Like, you're not a part of the family of God. He does not hear your voice the way that you want him to hear your voice. And the clarity. I shared that last week. And do you know that over 20 people last week said they wanted to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ so they could connect to the Heavenly Father. And I love that. I'm going to throw it out, give you an opportunity again today. Here's what it says in John 9, 31. This is the word of God. This is the word coming from, it's not my opinion, it's in the scriptures. Here's what it says. It says, we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does 
his will. And I am absolutely and completely convinced that across America today, there are thousands upon thousands upon hundreds of thousands of people attending a church this weekend and they have no actual connectivity with the Heavenly Father. They're going through religious motions. And so I put this out here to say, maybe that's you. Uh, you you want to go through the motions, but you actually don't have that connectivity, that personal relationship with Jesus Christ that gives you access to the answer for your prayer. God wants to act on your behalf. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to get to know you, you to get to know him. Well, he knows you, but wants you to get to know him. He wants to uh, put your, get you in a position where you have this rich connectivity as he speaks to you and works through you in your life. So let's bow our heads and pray right now, God. First, Christians, again, just like last week, God, you're recalibrating, you're resetting, there's commitments in the room uh, right now from people who say, well, you know what, I've been praying, but, but I need to pay attention to something. You could be a 40, 50-year practicing Christian, but there's probably something today you, you got to pay a little more attention to in your prayer life. And Maybe you're new to the faith, you're just learning, you're seeing these principles. I praise God. God is revealing to you some of these new things about prayer. And there may be somebody amongst us right now, just like last week. You'd love to have access to God and a prayer life, but you do not have a relationship with him. And I say regularly around here, it is forgiven people who are in the family of God. And you cannot forgive yourself. God made a way in which all of humanity could be forgiven of their sin. And it's through the gift of Jesus Christ that anyone who accepts that gift has forgiveness and has a relationship with God. And anybody who rejects that gift does not have a relationship with him. Right now, if you know it's time to turn to him, in a moment, he'll answer your prayer. I said at the beginning, he'll say go. Right where you're seated, there's one prayer he will listen to you right now if you're an unbeliever. It's the prayer of repentance that says, God, I'm ready to turn away from the way I've been living and I'm ready to come home to you and I'm ready to be forgiven of my sin. And God says, I'm gonna answer that one right now. It's go. You are forgiven, you are set free, and you have a new life with God through the gift of Jesus Christ. If that's you here today, you're just where you're seated. You're saying, God, I turn to you. I surrender to you. I accept the gift of Jesus Christ on the cross. And now, God, I am ready to learn. I don't know all the things. I just know I'm connected with you. I'm forgiven. I'm set free. And I'm ready to begin that relationship with you. I'm gonna start praying tonight in a way I've never experienced before. I'm gonna encounter you in a way I've never encountered you before, God, starting today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.